one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver, the show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, Bus Driver, exploring the entire school transportation universe, talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey, Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, back getting after the uh, podcast after what? It's been two months, maybe. I don't even know. But is that back. what this is? A podcast? Are we doing that again? <clears throat> Are we doing a podcast right now? Did you want to have like again? story time with Chad? Or Listen, I don't. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty loose today. Okay. Let's well, let's we, talk, could, let's we talk about, always have one of those. Let's talk about COVID. No, I don't know. But welcome back to the <laughs> Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, it's been a few months, so we have Cruz Mingus returning. Chad is here, and we are, I guess, quote, live at ASBO, the spring conference up in Laughlin, and um, just kind of getting back after it. So what's what's new? I figured you'd been delaying doing a podcast. You've been waiting on my intro. <clears throat> Partly, but no, I've just been busy. Oh. So Which the- I imagine you've been busy because you haven't really been like, hey, man, when are we doing a podcast? I've been doing a different one. I've been doing oh. a crafting podcast. Have you? Arts and crafts. Literally. Quilting, crochet. I figured you'd be doing like a, a beef jerky one. Like the art of smoking meat and, you know, really the... I don't even know what goes into that. Yeah, I mean, you pretty well nailed it, yeah. Smoking okay. meat, yeah. So it's a short <laughs> podcast. It's really short. We could do it right now and be over with it in a couple minutes, so... So good meat, spices, smoke, and... Dry it out, cut it, sell it. I mean, those steps, kind of, yeah. Mm, very well. You didn't use the right terminology, but yeah, basically. I'm a layman, so yeah. No, that was perfect layman. Yeah. yeah. Cruz, what's happening since the last time we uh, we spoke? Months ago. Months ago, I actually what? forgot that he was on one with us recently. Well, like... you were kind of absent, anyways. So That's the like, one. Yeah, he was like driving around and you know doing his actual <laughs> job. <and> just, <laughs> I think they call that phoning it in, right? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I'll I'll work on being more impressionable for you. Yeah. I don't think it, it had nothing to do with you, Cruz. I would like to know what you've been up to, though. Not much. I mean, the normal. Um, it feels like we've moved on in the world. We're on to a new set of issues and problems and things, but uh, well, the, now, the yeah. day-to-day is still the same. Now just lingering problems from the problems that we've had, right? Wouldn't it be nice? I had this conversation the other day. Wouldn't it be nice if like, we just had like a month with no nothing, no issues, no nothing? You just go to the store, gas is cheap, I don't think, groceries are cheap and plentiful, no COVID. I don't think society knows how to interact and like function without having something to gripe or worry or concern themselves with there's got to be politics there has to be inflation there has to be a sickness there has to be a war a war there yeah a war there's got to be something all the time sure like what can we just like all just get along just give us a month just let's see how it goes you know like a little trial period let's go a month with no issues it's interesting it's interesting how like that replicates over into say a transportation department 
right? If everybody just worried about themselves and their job and they're, you know, coming to work and doing what they're hired to do, how much better would an operation be without having the gripes and the worries and the bickering and the everything, right? So it's like at a global level, here we are, and then you can bring that down to a very simplified level of employment. So like each boss is their own country, right? Sure. A bunch of kids. Yeah, citizens, and the driver's right? the president. Yeah, and it's just like constant like <laughs> issues. Yeah, it makes sense. There's a few dictators never, in there. Never thought about it like that. I, and yeah, I guess. It's so like the transportation department. The like, transportation director would be like the, what, like the president? The, of, like, UN, the UN representative. UN. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting, but uh, we just opened what, pre-conference today in at, at ASBO, so it's been two years. They did uh, online, I feel like, last year, and That's typically, right. we did, didn't we? yeah, and then the year prior, I mean, it, it feels like it's been way longer than two years, right? But two years ago, uh, got canceled, so we really haven't been here for three years now, technically. Has it been that long? Yeah. See, we're, we're different. We're, for some reason, I felt like I was here last year. Mm, uh, no, you were in Tucson. I don't remember that. <laughs> we literally had lunch <laughs> together. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, this conference is um, interesting because it's more, I think, support staff, um, you know, school business officials, but it is transportation, maintenance, technology, food service, purchasing procurement type stuff so it's really speaks to the support staff of uh school business and i you know i like it just because it seems less vendor centric less vendor i mean nothing wrong with vendors you, but you know, in tucson that is a big yes, vendor show yes, and that this is, is a, all the glamour and glitz all the you know all the fancy stuff all the fun stuff coming to a right. conference yes the, the yeah the, the or being in a staff. casino <laughs> <laughs> smoky casino you have asthma by the time i leave here you mean emphysema yeah both <laughs> you can get both right of glaucoma too i guess while you're at it is that contagious i don't know <laughs> i'm not a doctor <laughs> i met a nice lady earlier yeah she had it oh yeah well so uh we pre-con today we had uh for on the transportation side uh Two sessions on the Arizona State route reporting, which is how we get funded, and then a opener of how to kind of start your school year, and then five key hot topics of all the stuff that's going on, which I think is what we've been talking about kind of on these last few episodes, right? Hiring, morale, burnout, just kind of how we're all navigating the um, kind of the last couple of years. So I was right. So. It's all the fun stuff. That sounds exhilarating. I'm sorry I missed it. You missed it because you were driving, right? Yeah. Typically, I just get on the phone and drive. Oh, uh, well. I should, I should have just I, you could have phoned in. it in, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Phoned it in. So, Chad, so, you been, you, go ahead. I was going to ask, Cruz, were you at the pre-conference? Were you at all that? I was at the pre-conference today. Did you learn anything? Did learn some stuff. Some See? good stuff. 100-day reporting stuff was good. New things, how it's done. Lots of new regulations, things in the market, things in the industry, things to keep in mind, easy to overlook or not not notice and not see until it's too late and you're getting your hand slapped for it. Yeah. And I mean, for Cruz, obviously, being on the private side, it's mm. a little bit, you know, I mean, it's 
he needs to be aware of that because districts are asking him for his record keeping in order for them to be able to report it and have it as reimbursable. So I think it's important for vendors to know kind of as, you know, what they're responsible for, what their, what their districts are responsible for, right? They're customers, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? We're all, I guess, technically customers. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's so, a good thing Tom was here so he can yeah, tell us yeah. what we need to do. There you go. He what's, handles all that. Anyway. What's new in in bus world as far as like, you still can't buy. Well, you can buy a bus, but you can't get the bus for. That's not. See, don't don't put us all in the same little basket. Okay. We actually, RWC actually has a bunch of buses you can buy. Mm-hmm. Call me today. I'll have one to you in about two weeks. Two weeks. We got a ton of stock coming in. There you go. We foresaw this coming. So you guys got Tom proactive. Did a great job. Yeah, proactive. Ordered a ton of stock. I mean, I don't know, we had 30, 40 buses coming. I mean, but yes, if you order one now, you're, depending on which vendor you order from, you're October, November through February, March before you even get it. If it's so, I mean, so a year, basically. Yeah. Year, 10 months, 11 months. That's not, that's not how math works, but yeah, it's close. He said March. Did I say March? Didn't he? Okay, yeah. well, it's April, so that's not. It's not okay. A year. Eleven months. You said it's close to a year. It's not a, okay, I'll give we you gonna that. bicker like married couple. Yeah. Okay. By the way, the trash is full. I don't know what <laughs> you're doing all day sitting here. You didn't take it out. Yeah. But no, it's a uh, course electric electric bus coming fast, coming hard. I mean, it's. Um, you see more people kind of buying into that with. The way that fuel has, you know, basically doubled in price in the last couple months. So more people like, hey, this is probably something as a viable option that we need to look into. I think people buying into it because they're being given money. Mm. Yeah, I had had a director ask me last week, said, Chad, in all seriousness, if you were a director, you're in my position, would you go out and buy an electric bus? I said, if someone gave me money, absolutely. Just like in my personal life. I'd like to have an electric pickup. I'm not going to go buy one. But if Uncle Joe mailed me $110,000 checks to go buy a Hummer EV, I'd go buy one tomorrow. But I'm not going to buy one right now with my own money. But if someone's giving you money through a grant or whatever it is, you absolutely should get it. It's a free bus. It's an opportunity to dip your toe into it. If you wait four, five, six years and you have to pay for the bus, even if it's half the price it is now, it's still a lot of money to figure out if it's viable for your district. Sure. So yes, I would buy it right now if someone gave me a grant to go buy an electric. But they're not approving grants for everybody, are they? No, it's going to be similar to it's going to be similar to the qualifications for uh, VW. Yeah, the VW, the VW fund or whatever. You want so to the bus it. has to be like thirty years old and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> basically thirty-four to be precise. <laughs> Oh, like ten years, ten years old, and you got to take it, and they got to drill a hole in the block, and and all that. Jazz. Oh, so they like they, get rid of it. Oh yeah, yeah, you have to get rid of it. Wow. Had one tra- had a school trade in a uh, 09 with like sixty thousand miles, with a Cummins. I'm like, don't you have an older IC? He's like, yeah, but we don't have trouble with the IC, so they got rid of this Bluebird that was a 2009 with sixty thousand miles. Wow. Just so they get a free bus. Hmm. I mean, is what it is, but yeah. No, it's a. Uh, 
I got a school, got a, my first PO on electric bus last week. Pretty excited about that. Congrats. 200 mile range. And I was asking if it could go to the, well, if we take it to the Grand Canyon, I said, you're not going to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> electric bus. You mean need a tow truck. <laughs> the bus isn't ever leaving your area. Probably it'll live its life. Dude, here. are people like really that confused about its, I guess, uh, accessibility or viability of you know between electric and diesel like do they just think a bus is a bus is a bus so i think they're we have to educate them on what they are going to be able to do you know they, they have this idea that well these teslas pull over and charge they go from here to the grand canyon right they have a 300 mile range this bus has a 200 mile range well, we should be able to do it too but it's a different charger mm. different size of battery it's a different amount of time to charge it like you're not going to be able to do that. Not so now. there, so there isn't charging stations, so to speak, that are available. Like they basically have to go out and return back to. No, there, no, there's, there's charging stations available, but you, they may not be the high speed DC or AC chargers that you would need to, to actually get to the Grand Canyon within a week. I mean, mm. if, if you plan a week's trip, <laughs> you're going to get there, and then you have to charge hundred miles a day. Basically, like, pull up, and while it's charging, the kids can look at it, and then you can leave, you know, <laughs> head, head the way back. But, no, there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure the other ones are similar. Like, IC set it up where basically you can use every charger except for Tesla. You can use AC, you can use DC, they're universal, you can use any charger except a Tesla charger because they're proprietary. Got it. So, but the infrastructure's not there yet. Hmm. I mean, to go from... You know, northeast Arizona to the Grand Canyon doesn't it doesn't make sense right now. I mean, where are you going to stop? Yeah, to charge <laughs> the desert. Yeah, yeah, desert. yeah. So there's a there's a lot to come. There's a lot of charging stations and infrastructure has to be built. They're doing that. They're starting that supposedly now, but where? You know, they're not going. How many are they going to? So have? is there going to be like a map per se that? Says yeah, there's, like, there's apps where you can. Yeah, you can look up. Find my charger. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, there are apps. There are apps that you can log in and you can actually plan your route based on those chargers as well. Hmm. Again, if you get a school bus, don't plan on you know, taking trips in it. Uh, I mean, it would be cool because they're quieter, they're smoother, they're quick. Zero to forty-five is like fifteen seconds. I know because I timed it a couple of times. Lead foot. <laughs> just had the phone out, hit the, just floored it, hit it, go. But. uh no, that's uh, that's basically the exciting thing. I mean, you've got um, new emissions coming twenty twenty four, which is going to be a whole. No- just is now- that the new one that I just saw, where it's like um, now all vehicles have to meet the forty mile per gallon. Uh, well, there's car emission, yeah, the, the car carb or whatever they call it, but there's new emissions on school buses, medium duty trucks and all that. 2024. So, so another Knox, another have, something. You have lower Knox. So just as we start to iron out the QLS issues, the def issues, DPF issues, they throw it, something else out. Another round of interesting of emissions you have to meet lowered even more. So yeah, it's a give me another Do you think that that's just the the eventual push and <clears throat> difficulty of um kind of subtly pushing everybody no, to electrification it, it, it's absolutely it's, it's the epa pushing diesel out of the market it's absolutely all it is hmm. it's exactly what it is interesting so, question i've always had chad is on the vendor side that right 
purchases buses and looks at and the idea right it, it comes across the table every time you're in a meeting about purchasing buses and where to go is the electric idea right it's there is it the is it the wave of the future you talk about the emissions and the you know i don't want to say struggles but the challenges of diesels right now with the emissions and the long longevity or the maintenance on the diesel right now with everything on there but what is infrastructure wise if someone went to you know let's say no electric in the fleet and they started and the infrastructure wise nothing was set up at the home yard what does that look like what does that commitment process look like to get where hey we got a bus now that's on some kind of a speed charger where the bus is now serviceable usable on a daily route basis so if you wanted a fast charger and you're you'd have to go out do a site visit check your electric make sure you're you know, your 208 or your 480, your 600. I mean, they have to determine that. They might have to have the electric company bring in more power to your to your district or where your transportation department's at. Then they have to plant the chargers, install the chargers. I mean, let's say if you can run within 100 feet of the pole, you have the right amount of electricity to power a fast DC charger, for example. You're looking at forty to $60,000, depending on what type of charger you get. They'll charge, you know, I think, one or two buses. That's a deep, fast, like DC charger. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going out and you're doing twenty buses, you need ten chargers. You know, ten times, you know, say sixty. If that's all, if you don't have to have electric, electric, you have to bring in more power at that point. Right. Very few schools are gonna have enough power to power that. So you're gonna have to drop a new transformer, bring in more power. So grant the grants are only covering the vehicle; they're not necessarily right covering now. the infrastructure. There are some grants, what I understand, coming or available now that can help with infrastructure, but certain areas, like tribal areas, hmm. um, not if you're in a fluent school district and have a lot of money. Correct. There goes. Like Scottsdale, probably not gonna <laughs> squeak by on that. Surpri- so surprisingly, Sedona is looking, <clears throat> and I asked the question like you get a bond like what do you how did you get money for electric buses and they're like well people always assume because we're sedona that we wouldn't qualify for grants went up but if you think about it, the kids the people that own houses here they don't have kids the kids that go to school are the people that serve at the restaurant and work at the stores and those are the people their kids are the ones going to school here never thought about it makes hmm. sense so basically, the support staff of all the rich people in Sedona—that's who goes to school in Sedona. So they do qualify for, you know, free and reduced lunches, grants, stuff like that. So if some, I mean, I guess the way to look at it, right, is, I mean, yes, an electric bus would be an awesome option. But if you're looking at a long-term solution, where hey, maybe we're going to convert a percent of our fleet over time, the the investment in the infrastructure over time sets you for a stage where you can convert a, a portion or all of your fleet to an electric. We actually have a company. We talked to one of my my biggest school district last week. Had a meeting with them. We work with a company um, that they can come in and do. Say you want to do ten buses, five chargers, ten buses, whatever. They'll come in. Basically, you're you're paying a yearly payment per bus, and you get the bus. They buy the bus. They own the bus. They maintain the bus. They handle. You know, they basically take care. So of you're all leasing that. all of it from. You're them. leasing the bus. It's a service. You're leasing the bus, you're leasing the chargers. Ten years, let's replace them. You just get ten new buses or five years, whatever your your program is set up as. You just rotate it through. It's basically like a subscription or a lease. Yeah, <clears throat> it helps with schools that don't qualify for grants, but they do want to go looking into electric. They may not want to invest the money to install all the chargers. Do a ten year agreement. 
get 10, 20 buses, whatever it is. Someone else maintains the chargers. They maintain the electric, you know, the charging side of it. So they, it, off peak hours, they make sure the buses are charged. If there's a problem with one of them being plugged in, they can log in through satellites and internet to make sure, see if it's the charger problem or a bus problem. So they take care of all that. And it, the cool thing is they guarantee, they, they come in, they evaluate what you spend per bus. If you bought new buses, maintain them, run them, fuel all that, and say that here is our quote, here's where we project, you. here's basically our quote, if you will. Our budget is it'll be less than what you spend per bus for your gas, for your diesel, for your propane. And if we can't make that happen, then it's not a good fit for you unless you decide you just really want to do it. So if you can if you can replace 10, say, diesel buses with 10 electric buses, and you know over the next 10 years your yearly payment will be less than what you spend on those 10 diesel, why not? You're saving money. It's less fuel. You know, how many districts are, like, actually paying a yearly, like, a yearly payment on buses? Like, how many of them are... A, you know, I have a few that do five year. Yeah, that do that stretch their payment mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Is it more common that districts will just pay them up front because they have the bond money available? They usually pay up front, but there are school districts that, and I encourage this that if you need five buses, but you only have the money for you know two, hey, let's, let's stretch it out. Do five year lease down, so you make five five payments on five buses. Basically, you're buying five buses over the next five years, but you get them now. You need them now. Get them now. Be done with it. Hmm. You can do a lease to return program, too, where your payment's less. Since the end of that five years is residual, they can turn it in, or they can decide to pay for them and own them. Sure. And when I came from the Midwest, there was a ton of that on three-year leases. Schools would do a three-year lease return. Every three years, we get like four or five hundred buses back off three years. Was that more common because of weather? And I think we've talked about that before. But I mean, just yeah, you don't keep them twenty years out there like you do out here. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, crews on your side, like I mean, obviously you have buses, but you're also more in the the white fleet or the van side. Like, what's your? I mean, kind of your take on getting you know having your fleet turn over or do you start looking at things that are kind of options like that where you're you know more of a i guess either a lease to own or just a lease to lease you know type of thing like what are your thoughts on that i mean i think you like chad said right it's at some point it's a math equation and you're using what your predictive models are right there's things you gas is hard to predict right we sat for how many years at 250 to three dollars and all of a sudden we're sitting at five dollars for a diesel and yeah, you could have said, well, if there was an international conflict that had to do with a major oil provider, we'd be there. But is it going to happen? It, it's tough to forecast it. But, you, I mean, you do what you can with it. And I think it, it's individually business. It's based off your model. Um, you know, when we when I look at a vehicle, you know, if we're going to acquire an asset, number one, I'm going to look at where am I going to put the asset, right? Um, how many miles do I plan to use the asset on a daily basis? Because it's a lot different, right? If I'm going to run an asset for you know, let's say 15, 20 miles a day on a route, I might be looking at that asset might make me 20 years, like Chad said, right? Because I'm it's low mileage asset. The asset will stay the, mo- the you know, drivetrain will be low mileage. The wear and tear is wear and tear. But I also look at, you know, I've got a few routes that we drive 300 miles a day round trip, right? So expecting an asset to make it five years on that deal is not realistic. And so 
you know, and I think it, you know, not to get too much into the weeds of the financial, but interest rates, right? That that market and environment has started to change. So when you look at borrowing, leasing, all that stuff is interest rates, you know, rate influenced. Um, but I think on an individual basis, and then what you're doing from a growth strategy as a company, right? Do you do you plan to keep these long term? Are you in a growth strategy where you want to double the size of your fleet? So do you want to be leveraged from a, from a cash standpoint and a lending standpoint? But you're also more in a jam that if, say, this year growth is high and next year you're getting nothing for, you know, business. Now, all of a sudden you're sitting on a fleet of assets that aren't being used. Right. Whereas is, school buses are like always going to be used. Right. And I it, it sounds, you know, coming from the district world, I, we always joke, you know, when on, on the private side, we don't have a fleet of spare vehicles and extra vehicles. I mean, we carry enough to do what we need to do the right way, but we don't carry a fleet where. They just sit in a yard and collect dust and look good and make the district look like they got a bunch of buses, right? But there's some districts that are more guilty than others. You drive around and I'll bet you they've got two dozen buses that haven't moved in eight months other than maybe to go and rotate the tires because they're cracking from the sun, right? But yeah. it just, you know. Or we're getting catalytic converters stolen off of them. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about the regressing districts, right? And so, and and if it's you're in a financial model where it's a for-profit business, the more you know, large capital expenditures, assets that you have sitting around your overheads higher. There's just no way around it. Um, and so being efficient with your assets and figuring out what to do with them. So are you guys like with, um, your fuel go, you know, fuel going up for you, are you passing that on to the customer? Or are you guys just basically eating it somewhat? Um, you know, it, it just, it depends on client to client. Most of our clients, almost all the business we do, we function off RFPs. That's essentially Valley wide for districts. Most of those are, if not all of those RFPs are built in with some fixed surcharges when the contract's initially signed or the RFP's written. And so, you know, like I know, for example, I think it was 350 for us this year, somewhere in that ballpark was that was where you're going to hit the first fuel surcharge. Well, we've, we've mountain cascaded right past that number. I mean, way past. But, you know, I, I think it's an ebb and flow deal. There's, it's just the way business works. Some years you're going to eat some stuff you know, the way things work out and then you readjust. Try not to pass it on to the customer. Right. And and I think the big Especially thing is. Especially because there's no money in school business. <laughs> well, I think the big thing is, you know, at the end of the day, we're, you know, yes, we're a business, but in their client or whatever you want to call it, but we're, we're ultimately partners, right? We're in the same goal. And if we, you know, if we hammer a district or we hammer a partner in getting something done, well, we're conflicting our, our client, right? You know, for us to maintain business, it has to be something that makes sense for the district. And, ultimately, and you know, I think at the end of the day, yes, we're a business, but we're trying to provide a, a service to help districts, typically when they're in a bind, jam, pinch, and we're a convenient, reliable vendor that can help them continue service for their district and the kids within families within their district. And so finding ways to make that sustainable, both in the short term, right, when we talk about fuel, fuel prices jumping, but also in the long term in that we got to make sure these are people we're taking care of for the next 10 years. And so when there's issues, they're called, you, you know who they're going to come back to when they're short five drivers in five years from now. So why do you think that, I mean, maybe for both of you, even though you're not running like a full operation, like a first student whatnot, but why is it that, you know, the East coast seems to have this more contracted third, you know, not third party, but basically using contracted, transportation companies to, to run their district operations versus the West coast seemingly, I mean, I guess I'll, I don't really know California operations, but here 
you know, there's there's first student has an operation here, but it seems like they only work with one or two districts and they don't really like they're not really welcomed into. I don't really like I don't understand that. Well, so where I worked before I came here, the owner in 2002 sold his contracting company. He was the largest privately owned contractor in the country. Is that the guy we're trying to get on? I need to email him. He he worked for him. Yeah. Got it. But the owner, they had like 3000 buses, a little over 3000 buses, school buses. And he sold for an exceptionally pretty penny. Now they're back up to almost a thousand. Last I heard, they started another company up to over a thousand buses. Um, that's in the Midwest. I think, I think East coast, they do a lot bigger cities tend to do a lot more. And I don't know if it's because of facilities or is it, or is it because of of like district unification? Like they don't have, I feel, I mean, maybe they do, but I feel like it's more common that they have a just, you know, County district, right? It, It would be like Maricopa County school district, not necessarily, 50 districts within Maricopa County. You know what I mean? See, like, there are some states, though, that it's a district. Each school's their own district. That's why when I came out here, it's like unified school. I mean, USD, whatever. I mean, so you've got one transportation department that takes care of these seven high schools. Like, because Midwest, each high school had their own transportation department, their own oh, buses, wow. you know, and then you get out east. I think it's, I think it's, they're so large and it's such a hassle. It's, it, it's probably cheaper and less time-consuming for them to just go out and contract. I mean, you think about school districts in, like, New York City or Chicago or somewhere. I mean, imagine the facilities you'd have to have as a school district, the amount of people you'd have to have to run that transportation department. That's always been my perception, is it's just it's such a large, uh, I want to say a large part of a school district if you tackle that, if you have your own department. Versus sure. just stroking a check to someone, letting them go out and find the drivers, letting them go out and insure the drivers and train the drivers and keep the buses maintained, keep find the you know the the real estate for the the transportation department. I mean, it, to me, it just makes more sense for a big school district in like New York or something to let someone like a first student or you know Laidlaw or someone come in and. and I mean, it. maybe it's just not lucrative enough for them to you know as a business model right i mean Cruz probably sees that a little bit more in that like just the staffing right i mean there's a first of all arizona is a right to work state so there's not like a union that is unionizing drivers and working for pay or working for um you know you know benefits and things that actually you know when you look at other states what they've been able to do for driver wage driver you know benefits and things that come from that i don't you know, I don't, I don't know. And you, and you think, so you think about, I go back to the city, you, you go to Chicago or New York or, you know, wherever, whatever big city you want to pull out of, especially on the East coast. If a first student comes in, let's say a school district is running their own buses and they're X amount of dollars, they're $2.3 million a year mm. to run their buses, their drivers, their staff. And first student comes in and says, we can do that for 1.6. What are you going to do? You're going to take the 1.6. Now, it doesn't always work out. It usually backfires. I mean, they've been known, some of those bigger contractors have been known to come in and bring in pretty shiny <laughs> new buses the first year or two. And then and you then get they, the 2006s and 2008s that don't Is that like how, how when bars open, they have like their A squad, yeah. you know, working the bar, and then by like the next month, it's the D squad 
working. Yeah, yeah, or even <laughs> or even certain bars, you know, Tuesday at lunch, you don't have yeah. the you don't have yeah. the varsity team mm-hmm. there, you know. I mean, it's uh, I get you. Yeah, so I, I I've heard of that too, and I've heard them losing contracts by doing Interesting. that. Interesting. And they'll move those nice shiny new buses around to different areas of the country. As we're getting so it makes it look like they're squared oh, yeah. away, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." It all comes down to how huh. much money can we make? Hmm. Do, be, do they do that in every district? No, but I've heard of them doing it before. It'd be interesting if you did like a history lesson, right? Like, how did that development? Because at some point, it probably wasn't all private, right? There had to have been a transition from public service municipal transportation departments that moved to privatized. And so, like when I see it from a private vendor, I think there's. You know, there's a couple of challenges. Yes, if it's a, you know, we're talking about $2 million to run years, but 1.6. But then the other tricky thing is you're in a public perception, right? You're in a school district, a voter's district, all these kinds of things, right? Elected positions when you talk about school board, all that kind of stuff. Well, what do you do, if, you know, if you're a district with 15, 20 drivers, let's say, and do you go to those 15 drivers that are employed and say, hey, sorry, you know, we've decided to outsource this. We recommend you go apply for a job with this company and hopefully they have openings and do they have openings are they going to hire to fill the contract they have without having the drivers pre-advanced or do they already have the drivers right because on the vendor side it's that's one of the the age-old questions is like okay well i could service you and give you five buses next week but i might not have five drivers so do am i going to try to pick up the five drivers in a week or do you know usually you won't bid a contract unless you know you can service it the way you need to service it. I feel like one. like we were talking about this yesterday as far as like drivers go, right? I would think that drivers would want to go work for a private company, say Cruise, where they can make 25, 24, 25 yeah, bucks yeah. an hour. They get no benefits, is that correct? Correct. So no benefits and they're not paying the state retirement, but they're getting paid a higher wage, and so they take that gamble, right? How many people are doing this work that don't really – they already pulled down a pension from somewhere or a 401K or, you know, don't really need the health benefits because they're on their wife's plan or whatever. And so when, you, when you're when you working for a state agency and you have 13 you – know, was it 12%, 13%? And it's like 12.2. State, state retirement that's coming out of your check automatically on a driver's wage, right? By the time all that stuff comes out, your benefits – your state retirement taxes, you're getting seven hundred dollars a paycheck, six hundred dollars a paycheck. That's not a lot of money, you know. Well, and so I heard one story about is two hundred thirty some buses. They got a contract, and they basically went in and said, "We'll do it for cost plus ten percent." That's it. You'll pay cost plus ten percent. So they will pay the drivers better. A newer, nicer, newer bus, which when you own a dealership, you can have nice new buses, right? Right. In three years, you just three or four years, you turn them back in and put new ones in. And they actually wrote a check. After the first year, they wrote a check back to the school district, said you overpaid. You pay us 17% over cost. Here's 7% right. back. And so that word spreads, right? So they're still, they're guaranteeing they're making 10%. And then, of course, they're paying their directors well. They're paying the president well. It's almost interesting that dealers, not to interrupt, but like that dealerships don't get into the, right? I mean, you have all the buses, like you're you're saying you have all these buses that are coming, they're with you, right? And then you are, you're, they're just sitting there waiting for somebody to buy them. So it's like, well, why not just put them to use and start offering, you know, transportation while we're while we are selling these buses. Well, I, I think I think part of it's. I know it's sticky. Yeah, I'm just saying, pie in the sky shit. No, so. I th- no, I no. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think it's the same reason school districts. Some school districts go out and contract out. They don't want the headache. But mm-hmm. 
look at that one in particular think about the run of a thousand buses where do they buy the buses from themselves where do they service the buses their dealership sure where's all the warranty work done their dealership where do they turn them back into and then they turn and sell them and they make more money selling them used than they did new because you make a certain percentage yeah. new. You, there's no one dictating how much you make when you sell it used and uh so the, i mean in same thing you can move around you have a bunch of three-year-old buses you get a new contract you can move those three-year-old buses over in this new contract and put new buses over here vice you know whatever leave them there whatever you want to do but it absolutely makes sense and it's a money maker i mean because you think about a dealership like you said 10 cost plus 10 percent well how do they get away with that well because they bought the buses from themselves right. and i'm thinking even now even if it was like temporary right you're, yeah. you guys are saying and i'm just Again, I'm not saying, I should go on record saying RWC is not doing this, but when you use the analysis or the analogy of, hey, we're buying all these stock buses, and so while we have them on the lot, we're also doing a service to our customers saying, for the time being, right, we have, maybe he can't, he has the drivers, but he can't get the buses or, you know, something. We're making, we're formulating a partnership where we're now in the interim, hey, you got a few routes that are short for a couple weeks? We're willing to do that. Now, I understand that once you take a brand new bus and put it on the road, it probably depreciates by, what, 15%, something well, like that. So now they're not buying a brand new shiny bus. It's been used, been puked in. It's been, you know, whatever. It's it's no longer. So the problem you get into with that scenario is liability issues. Sure. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You're taking a bus off our lot. You're renting it or leasing it to somebody for a month or two months or three months so they get a new bus and whatever. Your name's on that bus. There's a liability issue. There's a big insurance liability issue because if something happens in that bus, your driver's driving that bus, has a wreck, hurts or, God forbid, kills somebody, whatever, the, that family, who are they suing? They're suing the school. They're suing the driver. We're suing everybody And they're anyways. suing the dealership. Yeah. Because they're probably suing you guys anyways because you have your, you know... <laughs> but you're more likely to stay out of it at that point. But sure. I mean, I know back. I don't know. I I just my the more the point of it was like. No, I agree. Where I think I think a contracting company. The more that you're, for, the more that you're, you know, that you talk this stuff out and just throw it out there. Maybe somebody's like, some dealers listening to this going, you know what? That's a brilliant idea. We got all these used buses that are sitting on our lot. Why not instead of just letting them continue to depreciate? We hire 15 drivers and get somebody to train them, and now we have our, you know, mini transportation service that we're helping districts out where we can. We're doing the good work, you know. I've so. said I've said for years I'm trying to set up a uh, a program where I sell bus drivers with the buses. Good luck. So you buy a well, bus, you go through a go real you know, pie go in the sky. Go. That's that's coming yeah. the self driving school bus <laughs> yeah. coming to a district near you, and you still have to have monitors on. You can't just throw a bunch of kids. Yes, you on can. A, no, you can't. Yes, you you can. cannot throw a bunch of kids on a, a bus. Robot in the aisle, unmonitored, with a camera. Some dude that used. Can you imagine like a C three PO just like walking up and down the aisle, yeah. or so you just have you arms hanging out of the ceiling that <laughs> grab kids and put them back in their seat. You can have a guy that used to do drones for the military sitting in a room watching uh-huh. 20 monitors. It's not hey. What do you do? I monitor 25 buses. <laughs> <laughs> you're still, still going to have to have a monitor on each bus. I mean, it is do, easy. you can't do it. If you're in staffing, though, it is a lot easier to find someone to monitor a bus than it is to find someone to maintain a CDL sure. license and drive the bus. Yeah, well, and that's yeah. a, I mean, that's well, part I, of the issue we're having right now, right? I, th- I think, I think too, I think that the, it's going to eventually go the way trucks and buses, especially with electric coming down the pike, 
and it may not be while we're still around or still in business. We may be out of it by then, but I think it'll happen before we're gone where it'll be set up as a subscription program, kind of like I was talking about earlier. You don't buy the buses. You don't own the buses. You just, you subscribe. Like, I wouldn't sell a bus. I'd sell a subscription to the use of a bus. I, th- I, just, I think I, that's I mean, coming. I, I, I agree. <clears throat> I just think it's it's dangerous because then it's, but it's a whole it's a whole side of something's got to change, right? I mean, at some point, the requirements for CDL, the you know the background checks, the everything. I mean, not that that's going to change, or but I think that there's a lot of things that prohibit people from doing this. Excuse me, this work, including schedule and pay and all the things that go into that. I can see subscriptions, but it's like okay. So if you're selling a subscription, what happens when that subscription's up and now you're sitting on that asset and can't move it because everybody wants a new subscription. They don't want a used subscription. Well, oh no, trust me, it'll it'll be set up in our favor. <laughs> We're not gonna do anybody a favor. It's gonna be set up in the dealership and the manufacturer's favor for sure. I think and the reason I say that is because do you want to buy an electric bus with the plan on keeping it for twenty years? No. Because in, what, 8, 10, 12 years, you're going to replace those batteries? Yeah, you're going to replace the batteries. Half the cost of the bus. I mean, that's right now. But are they? The batteries and the No, motor- no, no. I just mean, but are they going to replace the batteries? <clears throat> no, right? that's what I'm saying. Oh. So so if I say, hey, listen, you buy this bus in 10 years, you're going to have to replace these batteries. You, you know, you're basically. So instead, you're selling a 10-year subscription, not yeah. a five-year subscription. You're selling a 10. You're selling a life of the year or life of the subscription. Life of the bus subscription. Well, I guess it, it could be set up kind of like a lease to own or, or even the contractor situation. Someone may want a five-year subscription. Well, now you can take those five-year-old buses and you can sell a subscription over here even cheaper for five yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, so it's, it's definitely, it's not going to work out in the school's favor as far as they're not going to, I mean, it'll be cheaper because, well, I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. There was a contractor or a school district in Illinois in the red, losing money every year. Ran, I don't know, 10, 20 buses, whatever it was. Guy came in, took over as transportation director, did one-year lease. So every year they got brand new buses. Turned them in after every year. Just every year they'd make a payment. they get new buses every year. Completely new fleet. They needed a guy to kick tires and check oil. That's it. They didn't change brakes. They didn't change tires. They didn't do anything. They didn't have to do anything. Within a few years, that school was in the black. They were operating in the black. The transportation department wasn't a drain on the district anymore. He left, went to another district, did the same thing, same results. And when I left, he was on his third district. Now, I hated it as far as the used bus manager because those one-year-old buses came back into my inventory and I had to sell them. Well, you don't depreciate a new bus enough in one year. To make it worthy for people to buy a used bus. Yeah, because you're within three or $4,000 of a new one. So you need them to be out there for three or four years. Which is funny because you give me about half the, the value of... How would you know? You never bought a bus from me. You wouldn't know what I'd give you. <laughs> Only speculating, Chad. Well, I'd rip your head off by mm. chance. <laughs> None of my other customers but you. Oh, yeah. It's a good thing I don't buy buses anymore. But so that's that's why I believe that's why I see electric being a subscription program, and I may be completely wrong. I don't think I will be wrong. You call should we put? Should we bet on? Can we go down to the book, the uh, sports book? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's odds in Vegas right now. Put your money now, you'll come out ahead if I'm right. But it's, I mean, again, you the days of keeping a bus for 15, 20 years are gone. They're out the window. Mm. Now, 
the benefit of that is you won't have all the maintenance. I mean, on, on an electric school bus, every five years you change the coolant that cools the batteries. Every three to five years you change the brakes because if you use regenerative braking like an IC, you don't use your brakes hardly ever except to come to complete stop. You let the the battery and the motors. Do I was going to be really stupid and ask. So there's no fuel filters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. There's fuel filters. They just tape them onto the frame. Um, they don't do anything. Gosh. You have to change those every year. It's the same as blinker fluid, right? Yeah, same <laughs> as blinker fluid. You do it. You do have washer fluid though, and a school bus also. So you just have to add that. But so if you're doing away with the transportation department, for the most part. I'm not advocating for it. I mean, obviously, I want everybody to have as many jobs as they can get. But that's what I see coming. I mean, it just like uh, you go back to TVs. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, a 40-inch plasma TV 20 years ago was $15,000. Well, now you walk through Walmart. You don't even want plasma. You want Yeah. <laughs> you walk through Walmart and the newest, best 4K LCDs, you know, 40 inches, you know, $198. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so that... School buses will go the same way. Electric school buses will wind up the same way. They predict in five to six years, an electric school bus will cost the same as the diesel school bus. Well, that's what the more manufacturer, battery manufacturers coming online and, oh, yeah. you know, changing the resources of how they're, um, you know, built or the materials that are used to go into those, you know, those batteries. So, And that's why I... I Thanks I, to I, Elon, right? And, and so then in the subscription part, you take the buses, you take them in, probably refurbish them dealerships will probably refurbish them or they'll uh you know they may replace the batteries refurbish them replace the batteries send them back out kind of like best buy when you buy a refurbished tv or you buy a refurbished stereo system but the batteries the used 10 year old batteries will go towards houses businesses schools they won't be in the bus they'll use it for something else that requires less of a load there's still 40 percent 50 percent life left in those batteries they can use them somewhere else other than a vehicle or they recycle them and you know take all the cobalt out it just seems like to you know i mean i guess it's no different than probably repowering a, a diesel bus but you know there i mean there are people that choose that as an option you know yeah. if a bus is still worthy roadworthy that they'll just you know put a new power plant in it and Oh, Let it yeah, rip. Yeah, so. I mean, if, if 10 years from now, if batteries are, you know, no, I know, three I guess batteries are $30,000 yeah. for three batteries, yeah, it makes more sense than paying $200,000 for an electric bus, which they're not $200,000 right now. No, sure. I'm wrong. I'm saying in 10 years, maybe. So, Cruz, on, on like your third, I mean, being a vendor, like, what are you seeing as far as people not paying attention to like contracts and, uh, you know, kind of just either asking for, you know, not being coherent of, like, the procurement rules or making sure that they're getting exactly what their contract, you know, states, et cetera, and kind of holding you guys accountable, but also vice versa, you guys holding the district accountable. Yeah, I, I think the use of, of third-party contract vendors in transportation is not a new thing, but I think it's come to the forefront for people who didn't have to think about it and didn't have to utilize it because we're talking about driver shortages and things like that. More and more districts are going to it. I would be willing to say if you probably took the Valley, I'd bet 85% of them have made the call in the last year, whether they used a vendor or not, have at least made the call to explore what it looks like, right? They're at a point where that conversation is real and they either have to cut back on what they're self-servicing or they go look what's it look like from the outside. Probably the biggest thing, and it's probably just the lack of use, is the lack of edu- 
education or awareness on exactly how it works. And so, um, you know, all the time that, you know, probably the same for you, Chad, in the bus side, but it's the education piece is huge as teaching people. Okay. Here's, yes, we pick kids up and we take them to school and we do it in a number of different ways, but you need to, you know, make sure you're doing this. So you maximize your, your resource, right? So anytime a transportation department has to step outside of their own scope of business, right? Their own internal revenue and workforce and go outside, it's money that's leaving the district, right? It's not paying back into their employee pool. It's not paying back into something that the district sees front facing what they're doing. So to me, when you step outside, you've got to make sure, am I getting the most bang for my buck in what I'm doing? And is it also helping me achieve the goal of, right? If it's getting everybody to school every day on time or whatever that may be the reason you're stepping outside, how do I accomplish those two things? And so I think the traditional issue is one, people think from a, a third-party vendor that, probably like Chad with the buses, that we've just got a line of drivers, right, waiting to be contracted. It's like a grocery store of drivers. So you let me know you need a driver. You let me know you need a route covered. And I say, sure thing, on Monday, give me the route, and on Monday, we'll have it done for you. Right? Again, we're talking about from a business standpoint, we don't operate with a bunch of extra, right? If we're going to make it expand district to another district or to more service, We've got to invest in the capital asset of the, the vehicle. We've got to find more drivers. We've got to find sub drivers at some point, right? To make sure, because it's, as a vendor, it's not an option for me to call you as a district and say, hey, Jason, by the way, um, our two drivers called out sick this morning. So those two kids you're paying for, we're not going to pick up. <laughs> you don't do that? <laughs> no. So we've got to make sure we're properly staffed, right? Before we take something on, I'd rather say no to something. Hey, not right. We can't get it right down this time, right this second. But if it's something that we're going to look to long-term, let's start making a plan for how this makes sense for a district. Same thing. The longer we can lock in a contract, right? So, hey, let's work for, let's look at the 22, 22, 2023 school year and say, you anticipate having some type of driver shortage. Let's guarantee, let's lock in. We'll take care of three of your routes all year long, right? Now, let's figure out which three routes based off what you have available. And then also based off what your employment pool is to make sure it goes the furthest. I would say the most common mistake is someone will be, whether a top skip drive, ALC, us at Desert Choice, first student, they'll assign that route to probably the furthest, most difficult route to cover, right? Because if you're a router, if you're a supervisor, you look at, you know, that route, it's typically right McKinney-Bento is the one that we're going to look at. It almost always comes down to the McKinney-Bento kids where you're looking outside of your district boundaries. They're tough. They take, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get to the kid, 45 minutes to an hour to get back from the kid that route can't service you anywhere else, right? And so that's why people will typically outsource it. Well, what I'll tell people is it's based off a time and mileage. Most people is a time and mileage equation, right? Everybody runs their own algorithm or their equation on far as building goes. Well, if you send my driver out to pick one kid up in your district and I, you send me, let's say four hours of total time and a hundred miles. Well, you've hit a high billing rate for affecting one kid in your district, right? So if you're going to break down your transportation cost per kid, well, you just shot that up. Well, what if you sent your driver who you're saying you're getting a discounted rate because, right, we talk about labor costs. Your labor cost is less than my labor cost because of the way the models are built, right? Paying a higher wage to drivers. That's how contractors keep people in the door. Well, maybe you said instead of, you know, your McKinney Venture driver who's driving two or three tiers right there in the district, you send your own driver out far because, your FTE says they're a 30 hour employee. So it doesn't change your equation that much if they work four hours versus six hours, right? Or two hours versus four hours. But on our end, 
if you can knock me down to as tight to a three hour window as you can, my billing reduces and therefore the impact on your, it never changed the resources that you used, right? If anything, you're driving your own van, which is typically where we're talking about not a ton leased, right? Most people own the vans outright. So you already own the van, your fuel cost, you're better to pay your fuel at your, you know, tax-free rate and your reduced rate due to your commercial than you are at my fuel rate for what I'm getting fuel on the retail value, right? So you factor all that into there. Well, yes, it makes more sense at first glance for to send me to go get the hardest kid. Maybe it makes more sense to pick up for me to pick up the most kids and the most service for you for the least amount of time and money for you, right? Again, the battle you face is right. Well, these are my kids. I've been driven these kids for four years. You're going to take me off the route. That's, that's a battle in all, all realms of it. But, um, you know, I, I think, with your vendor, whether whoever that is, whether it's ALC, Hopskid Drive, it's Desert Choice, get in, get in contact with your rep and say, you know, sit down and they should all sit with you and say, what is the issue? Okay, we're short drivers. Okay, where are you short drivers? Which style, you know, is it a bus? Do we need to get you a bus driver, right? Is it a bus you're looking for? Is it a sped bus you're looking for? Is it a van route you're looking for? Is it a activities, field trip, any whatever that may be? And say, what is the best way to use our money? I, I, and I say this all the time. Field trip's another great example, right? So you run your daily routes, you know, 75 routes or whatever with 75 buses and 75 drivers. Well, all of a sudden, you know, Miss Brown's third grade class wants to go down to Tucson or Tombstone or something for the day, right? Well, that driver's never going to either, they either can't make the morning tier or they can't make the afternoon tier because they're never going to get to Tombstone and back in time to run that. Well, again, if you have a 30-hour FTE employee, would you be better to contract for the day contract the field trip out or you better to contract the front end tail end route where maybe I drive for four hours, I'll handle sub your route for you. You send your driver down to tombstone. You know, if they get lost, they're in connection with your dispatch, your connections, right? Your teachers, all that kind of stuff. And now you're paying your employee six hours on your benefit schedule, which is already built into your FT budgeting versus picking up, you know, an eight hours or six hours of tombstone on my end. And you're really only using your employee for five hours. You know, what ends up happening is you only use an employee for five hours. Well, what do they do? You know, they fiddle around in, yeah, in the I, lobby I, for 45 I, minutes so they get to their their 30 see, hours a week. My, my business idea of selling drivers with school buses <laughs> fixes a lot of that problem. I just want to know, are they, like, sure. chained to the steering wheel? Do they <laughs> no, get to go home? So, so here's my idea. You have a three-ring binder, and you flip through, and they have their, like, kind of like oh, a... Oh, you get, like, a pick? You get a pick, yeah. Oh. I want five buses. I want So it's, driver, like, fantasy bus driving, like, fantasy football, but you see so you got your, like... Yeah, and they go you know, they go uh, with the bus for X amount of years, however, however hmm. much. It's kind of a subscription for drivers, also. Is it, like, 10-year to 20-year tenure drivers, like, an extra $1,000 on the purchase price? pay for yeah i mean they, they get paid on you get paid on experience and, and record right? well I, w- I want to talk more about this but i think we're almost in an hour so i want to talk more on the contracting piece maybe in i think you're leaving tomorrow morning uh but uh, in another episode we'll i think an episode with him and get scott hooked up have two contractors mm-hmm. Yeah, I should probably respond to him in an email. Yeah, you would think. Um, in the months. Dude, I, I need like an assistant. You don't need need an assistant to work while you're napping during the day. Like, come on. Mm, right? That's fair. Am okay. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, we're going to wrap it up. This went pretty quick. Uh, I, I'm hoping to do another one tomorrow with maybe a different group for uh, second day at ASBO. We'll see how the schedule goes. So, 
again, sorry for the delay, but, uh, you know, I think these are still valuable getting people together, and I appreciate Cruz and uh, Chad to break away for a couple beers this afternoon. And I'd always uh, break away for you, Jason. You know, uh, now it's into the social hour, and uh, anybody listening, hopefully we'll see you. And otherwise, take care, be safe, and we'll hopefully talk to everybody soon. Adios. Thanks. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>